Welcome to the podcast for Windsor Road Baptist Church. Prepare your heart to receive God's message. There was once an optimistic farmer who couldn't wait to greet each day with a resounding, Good morning, God. He lived near a woman whose morning was more like, Good God, morning? They were each a trial to the other. Where he saw opportunity, she saw problems. Where he was satisfied, she was very discontented. One bright morning, he exclaimed, Look at the beautiful sky. Did you see that glorious sunrise? Yeah, she counted. We'll probably get so hot the crops will scorch. And during an afternoon shower, she... uh, He commented, isn't this wonderful? Mother Nature is giving the corn a drink today. And this came the sour reply. And if it doesn't stop before too long, we'll wish we'd taken out flood insurance on the crops. Convinced that he could still instill some awe and wonder in her hardened attitude, he bought a dog. Not just any dog, but the most expensive a highly trained and gifted dog he could find. This dog could perform remarkable and impossible feats, which the farmer thought would surely amaze even his neighbor. So he invited her to watch his dog perform. Fetch, he commanded, as he tossed a stick into a lake and a bubble up and down in the rippling water. The dog set off off with a stick, walked on the water, and retrieved it. What do you think of that, he asked, smiling. Not much of a dog, she frowned. Can't even swim, can he? We often see things as we are. And the problems of life are not necessarily the problems themselves, but how we see them, how we make sense of them. And how we see and make sense of them that is, our perspective of them, are pivotal in shaping our attitudes and our decisions, as the story we just heard illustrates. There lies the purpose of our new sermon series, Frontline Sundays, developed by London, the London Institute of Contemporary Christianity, founded by the late John Stott. The series is really an extension of a sermon that I preached based on Luke chapter 10, verses 1 to 24. And in the series, we're drilling down further into what being on mission is like in our context. So it is my fervent prayer and my hope that through the series, our mindset, our attitudes, our perspective, the way we see ourselves in our front lines will be more and more and more in alignment and shaped by God's perspective, more in alignment with and shaped by God's perspective. Last week, just a brief recap of last week's sermon, we looked at, we established the fact that as God's chosen and elect, Jesus' mission in Luke 4 is now our mission. The same Spirit of the Lord that was on Jesus, the same Spirit of the Lord who anointed Jesus has now anointed every single one of us to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom to the captives and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We are the harvest workers that Jesus instructed us to pray for in Matthew chapter 9, to be sent out into our front lines, which we define as places where we do life, 
places where we work, places where we study, places where we encounter people who don't know Jesus. We don't need to go looking for our front lines. We are actually there already. As Christians, we're not to see ourselves living in the corner, irrelevant, under siege, gathered typically on a Sunday. And that's the red dots on the left. Just making a living, surviving, and occasionally using some of our leisure time to join the mission initiatives of church-paid workers, typically called the full-time workers. The reality is, for most of us, most of the time, we are scattered through the week from Monday to Saturday, and that's represented by the red dots on the right-hand side. That's the reality of our average week for most of the people in the church for most of the time. We're scattered. We're not in one location, but scattered from Monday to Saturday, connecting to scores of people in an average week, such as our family members, our immediate family, our extended family, our neighbors, our work colleagues, and friends. Our front lines, that's the gray dots. While we have been gloriously called out from the world, we're simultaneously called into the world. To do what? To live distinctively for Jesus. That is to stay red in the sea of gray. Learning to incarnate, living out and sharing the truth and wisdom of Scripture wherever we are. And that is the focus of this morning's message, that our front lines, no matter how ordinary, how mundane, or how ungodly and and challenging they can be and feel to us, they can become unexpected places of encounter and transformation where God works powerfully in and through us. That is a message I want to bring across to us this morning that our front lines, no matter how ordinary, how mundane, how ungodly, how challenging they can be and feel to us, they can become unexpected places of encounter and transformation where God works powerfully in and through us. And that is what we see in our text this morning from Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 to 12, which tells us how God, in his grace, reveals himself to Jacob in an encounter that would indelibly mark his life. But what is often glossed over is the fact that it takes place in the unlikeliest of places. At a time, Jacob wasn't even expecting it. See, Jacob is a man not favored by his dad. And his helicopter mom wraps him up in cotton wool at every chance she gets. He cheats his brother, Esau, of his inheritance by deceiving their dad. So his dad is very upset at him. Esau, his brother, is raging mad, and he wants to kill Jacob. Jacob has no choice but to flee for his life as a fugitive. He takes off all alone with no money, no friends, homesick, and in fear for his life. And we pick up the story in Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 to 22. I'll read that to us. You can follow on the screen. Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba, 
and traveled toward Haran. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stop there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven. And he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, the God of your father Isaac. The ground you're lying on belongs to you, and I'm giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions, to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I am with you, and I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've finished giving you everything I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't even aware of it. But he was also afraid and said, What an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. The next morning, Jacob got up early, very early. He took the stone that he had rested his head against, and he set it upright as a memorial pillar. And then he poured olive oil over it. He named the place Bethel, which means the house of God, although it was previously called Luz. Then Jacob made this vow, if God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, and if he will provide me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. He's still negotiating, being the schemer that Jacob is. And that would take a while for God to get it out of him. And to this memorial pillar I've set up will become a place for worshiping God, and I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. Now, prior to Jacob's encounter with God, there's no mention that this place, this site, had any special religious history or significance. Notice Jacob's response in verse 16. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. He was surprised that God would choose a place which was merely a handy location for a stopover to reveal himself to him. That he would take a mundane and ordinary place and transform it into a sacred and an extraordinary place. And I quote, a touching point between heaven and earth. Jacob renames the place Bethel, which means the house of God. And this is what we mean by front lines. The ordinary places that are the touching places between God and his world that may not know his love, as illustrated in the following clip, where the ordinary places for the plumber, grandmother, businesswoman, and a voluntary football coach become sacred places. They become Bethels, the house of God. Let's watch this clip.
10 hours a day. Six days a week. Whenever I'm needed. Every Saturday morning. I spend my time. In a place that matters to God. With people that matter to God. My front line. In the stresses. Successes. Problem solving. Tantrum resolving. <laughs> Laughter. Teamwork. Jokes. Tears. Boredom. Tension. Cups of coffee. Cans of coke. God is working with me. He helps me see what he sees. Put here by God. He knows the day ahead. This place is rich with possibilities. This is my front line. Up to this point, Jacob's faith in God is not his own, but his parents. But at Bethel, it's where he meets God, an ordinary place. He meets God for the first time, and he begins his walk with the Lord. There, God assures him that he's not done with him just yet in verse 15, and that the promises made to his grandfather Abraham that are now passed on to him, God himself will fulfill and that he will work in him, he will work with him, and he will work through him wherever he finds himself. So indelibly marked he is by his encounter with God, he memorializes the occasion and the place by setting up an altar. Now, Jacob's account is not unique by any stretch of the, of the imagination, but just one of many examples where God shows up in unexpected places at the most unexpected of times. In Genesis chapter 18, God appears to Abraham near the oak grove while he was sitting at the entrance of his tent during the hottest part of the day. The prophet Balaam, if you remember, receives a visit from God through the donkey that he was riding on. Moses meets God in the burning bush. God reveals himself to Elijah, not in the great and powerful wind, earthquake, fire, but in a gentle whisper at the mouth of a cave. King David met God through the death of his child. Daniel in a lion's den. Hosea through his unfaithful wife. In the Christmas story, we see God showing up in an unexpected place through an unexpected woman in the most unexpected way as a little baby. Other examples include Jesus meeting Zacchaeus. Where? Up a tree. The Samaritan woman at the well going about her daily task. Peter at his workplace. Thomas in his doubtful state in a room. Paul, while he was traveling to a location to throw more Christians into a prison. Most of the God encounters we read in the Bible occur in ordinary, everyday places that you simply don't expect God to show up. Even today, God continues showing up and meeting people in the unlikeliest of places, in the unlikeliest times. I'll just share with you three stories. 
The first story takes place on a park bench. Alejandra was feeling suicidal after her marriage broke down. After two years of separation, the divorce papers were being drawn up. She asked her mother to look after her children so she could be on her own. His mother knew something was amiss and suggested that they went out shopping as a family, but Alejandra just didn't have the energy to shop. So what she did was uh, the mother and the kids went shopping. She parked herself outside uh, the shopping center at a bench, and she sat there and contemplated the different ways she, would end her, she could end her life. And then a woman came and sat down next to her. Are you a Christian? She asked. And Alejandra said she was. And this woman just said, I just want to tell you that if you're a follower of Jesus, you're more than a conqueror in him. This is what Alejandra writes. Bam! Those words breathe life into me. All thoughts of suicide left me, and God's unexplainable peace rushed in. My husband and I will celebrate 20 years, six years of marriage this year. God met Alejandra at a park. Surely the Lord is in this place. The second story takes place in a hospital ward. Virginia had an eating disorder triggered by a painful and difficult breakup. She ended up in hospital just weighing 36 kilos. There she met another girl. According to Virginia, the sickest patient in the ward who, merely, who weighed merely 25 kilos. This other girl scribbled a Bible verse on a piece of paper and handed it to Virginia. It was Philippians 4, verse 13. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. This is how Virginia described the experience. As a result of her doing that, I became a Christian. Got healthy and ultimately got married and had a family. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Both of these uh, women, I, I, I have to guess that they felt prompted to do that. It's not something you would do. But it's something that they felt prompted to do. And God met Alejandra and Virginia in a profound way. Right? Ordinary places. But God can transform it into his Bethel. Our last story takes place in Ethiopia. Ben, a missionary, had a burden to reach the Boshu people, an extremely isolated tribal, peop- a tribal group with the gospel. On arrival, Ben and his team were welcomed by a local named Golon. That's his, I think that's how you say his name, Golon. They sat down and uh, had small talk. And then Ben explains to Golan that they had come to tell them of God's talk. He begins to describe who God is, and what he's like, and where he lives. But Golan interrupted. We must follow Christosi, he said, using the local word for Christ. Astonished as Christ's name hadn't even been mentioned, Ben asked where Golan had heard that name. Golan explained that Christ had appeared to him in a dream and told him that it was he who had given Golan his life, blood and bones, 
and that Gollum was to follow him, and then said that in just five days, someone would come to tell him about following that path. Ben and his team had arrived on the fifth day. Surely the Lord is in this place. In the great commission given to all of us to make disciples, Jesus gives us this promise. I will be with you always. When we go out through the doors after our service, we will do well to remind ourselves and one another of this. Jesus is already working behind the scenes in our front lines before we even set foot on them tomorrow. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Are you thinking, eh, the moment you walk through that door, Jesus is with you, Jesus walks with you, and Jesus is already preparing the way doing stuff in your front lines before you set foot in them tomorrow. My prayer and aspiration for all of us is that we will become more aware that the Lord is surely on our front lines and he wants to work in and through us. I recently came across an expression that God used to speak profoundly to me. The author writes, our tomorrow is God's yesterday." Our tomorrow is God's yesterday. For application, I have a postcard for you. It's called Pressure, Presence, Pressure, Purpose. Available on the desk. Grab one or two. And behind the postcard, there are three questions. Presence. How do you experience God's presence with you there? So it's something you can process on your own or something you can work through with someone else, either in church or in your front lines. A work colleague, perhaps, who's also a believer. Take this postcard and process the questions with that person. Or you can process it as an LTG, however you want to to do it. But take this home with you. How do you experience God's presence with you there? Pressure. What is a pressure point there for you? And pray for one another. Purpose. What might be God's purpose for you there right now? So grab one of these cards, and they're for you as prompts, prayer prompts, a reminder that wherever you are, your front lines matter to God because you matter to God because they're the sort of places God will show up to make a difference in you and through you for the people who also matter to God. Wherever you are, as Bonhoeffer wrote, Your life as a Christian should make non-believers question their disbelief in God. And we can do this wherever we are. Your life as a Christian should make non-believers question their disbelief in God. So let's respond to the message by praying this prayer together. Would you stand as we pray in response to what we've heard? And then uh, Daryl will come and uh, conclude our service with one final song. And then for those who want prayer, would like to receive prayer, you can come up to the prayer corner to my left. Let's pray together. A count of three. One, two, three. Lord of all creation, thank you that our everyday 
ordinary places matter to you and we make a difference there. We offer to you the places where we live, work, study, and play. May we serve you and bear witness to you wherever we are this week. And may we know your presence with us in these places. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that you have been blessed by the message. Windsor Road Baptist Church is a growing intergenerational and international community of people committed to whole life discipleship. Please visit us at windsorroad.org.au to connect with us and to learn more about our church.